conductive way And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back and today I am bringing you a second Star Wars episode because unfortunately Katie was not able to make the roundtable discussion so I promised her she would still be able to get her thoughts out about the rise of Skywalker and we're also going to do an additional segment on the future of Star Wars and what each of us kind of wants to see out of the Star Wars universe so Katie how are you doing today? I am doing good, and I'm so glad we made some time to talk about this, because, oh my, it's <laughs> the end of an era, and I think everyone's going to have feelings about this, unless you're a more cash fan, we shall say. Yeah, it really feels like a lot of people either embraced what J.J. Abrams did, or didn't like the big choice he made, and it's one of those things where because of how they set up everything with The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, you're like, oh, it seems like they're not going to just rehash these ideas we've already seen, especially with The Last Jedi. You know, The Force Awakens did get compared to the original Star Wars many times after its release. Yes. And rightfully so, because you still have all of these old characters in the movie and they stay throughout the trilogy for the most part but did you end up re-watching those two before going into the rise of skywalker i ended up watching uh the force awakens like the night before um but i fell asleep before i could watch return of the, or, uh, the last jedi um but i'm kind of glad i did that because this kind of feels like it does a lot of skipping over the last jedi and right. just i think as the force awakens very much feels like a new hope reimagined. I think this kind of feels like Return of the Jedi reimagined on a certain level, mm -hmm. which is a mixed bag to say the least. This felt like J.J. Abrams put his second and third movies into the third movie. And yeah. like you said, The Last Jedi kind of just got shoved to the side, which I found very odd, not necessarily from J.J. Abrams' perspective, but from Lucasfilm's perspective. Because as far as I thought, anyway, the story group was supposed to make sure everything was cohesive and things lined up with each other, and they determine what's canon versus the now Legends novels and everything that came before the purchase of Lucasfilm by Disney, anyway. So it just felt like it was more disjointed than I expected. I agree. A lot of my thoughts on this film really dovetail with my thoughts on J.J. Abrams as a director and as like a story crafter. Mm -hmm. I think he's a good director, but how he crafts his stories, like they are fun to watch generally, but they don't usually hold up very well at the end. Like you're willing to go along for the ride, but when you sit and think about it, it kind of, it all falls apart. And this one felt more like that than The Force Awakens, say. And I think... He really, I don't know if it was caving to fan service to please those people who really didn't care for The Last Jedi or what it was, but I do feel like he took a lot of the choices in The Last Jedi and just like, uh, shove them in the garbage and I'll just have my own answers for things, which Return of the Jedi is so very dependent on the things that happen in Empire, and that's what makes the, the, the original trilogy such a strong trilogy. 
And this really feels like you don't even necessarily need the second movie, except for the part of Rey training to be a Jedi. And so I just felt like it was not as good as it could have been. I want to definitely give you a chance to run through all of the same questions we went through on the roundtable, because I think there's a lot to pick apart with this movie, so it doesn't hurt to talk about it more than once. But it really felt like there was so much hype going into this because it was the last of a trilogy and it was sort of going to end this chapter. And, you know, in previous movies, they were really pushing the whole let the past die thing. But the ironic thing is, is it took them three more movies to let the past die, literally. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it, it feels like they, this one more so embraces the previous films and the, and the mythology and all of that than The Last Jedi did. The last, like The Force Awakens feels like it's a new beginning. And then The Last Jedi feels like it's a continuation of that story and brings us to the next generation because societies evolve to a certain extent and it feels like in the last Jedi they've evolved. And then with this one, it feels like we're almost jerked back in time to be focused on things that were important in the original trilogy. And it felt like they were building up to so much more. And I was really hoping that Abrams would embrace that and give us a, give us the option to feel like, you know, the big complaint that I see that I agree with is that, you know, anybody can be a hero. Anybody can save the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And this the history of Ray and how he really retcons that because, I mean, yeah, it's left open and they manipulate it. But it feels like such a retcon to change it that way. Mm-hmm. And that cuts the legs out from all of the morals and messages of the previous film which you just you shouldn't do that in a trilogy you should embrace it and build upon it instead of limiting the scope i think and to have it be to the point where luke and leia both knew and they were just like oh yeah we didn't tell you we knew it's cool yeah. don't worry about yeah. it you're not gonna be mad yeah. at us for this even though this like, is the question you wanted answered this entire time <laughs> and i was just like oh okay that is a choice that I don't agree with. And I will say that with all of Leia's scenes, it's hard to judge them on anything they did with her character simply because Carrie Fisher was not around to be actively involved in this. And her death sort of put this pressure on this movie to give her a decent ending, at least. And decent is right. as good as I'm willing to, to give it right now, because at least they didn't kill her off screen, which I almost thought they were going to do just because of yeah. the timing of everything. And while not all of her scenes looked great because they did have to still CG some stuff in there. And it really just felt like they were like, okay, you know, we have Leia to use in minimal scenes and then they brought Han back, they brought Luke back, and Luke was looking like a Jesus for some reason, with suddenly yes. longer hair as a ghost, and you're just kind of like, oh, okay, all right, this is what we're doing. And I wouldn't say I was necessarily mad about any of those choices. By far, Palpatine was like the most egregious thing for me in this, and I was just Ugh. like, oh, that's where you went with it? It's not that they made her someone who was close to the Sith or anything like that. It was just that they made her anyone. Yeah. 
because I did love the message of The Last Jedi that anyone could be a hero. This little kid with a broom has a connection to the Force. And then all of a sudden, Finn has a connection to the Force in this. And I was like, yeah, you made that point come across. And a lot of people were saying they just thought Finn was going to admit his feelings for Rey to her the entire time. But I definitely could tell that he was force sensitive because he would get those same feelings that Leia got. And he can use a lightsaber. Yeah. Also that. (laughs) That's like, we've never seen anyone use a lightsaber before who doesn't have some capabilities with the force. Like Han isn't grabbing Luke's lightsaber and swinging it around. So that to me says something. And I, yeah, I can see that. And it, it feels like a cop out almost. And I'm, I'm ragging on this movie a lot and I'll probably rag on it more. Not going to lie, but I still enjoyed watching it. I just want to put that, make that clear for everyone <laughs> that some parts of it for me were still enjoyable. Right. I totally understand. And you know, if anyone has listened to the round table episode before this, you've heard my thoughts on this already. So I'll try to keep <laughs> my portion of this brief. So that leads me to ask you, Which characters had the best and worst story arcs in this for you? Oh, God. I talked, I thought about this a lot when I was, uh, when I was leaving the movie. I was like, okay, who actually had a story arc in this film? And I think I liked the interplay of Ray and Kylo Ren's story arcs. I thought that was, um, I thought they could have done so much more with that again, but I loved that they're like, twins of the force and they are they have a connection and so i enjoyed watching their character arcs as they kind of cross midstream as they're learning more about themselves and then each of them has to make this final choice at the end and they're able to find that strength in each other like that part i really liked and i think that was probably the one that interested me the most but there was also i really would have wanted more with uh, Finn and the rest of the stormtroopers who've all escaped, all of the rebels who have right. left the Empire. Like, I was kind of waiting for more of that, and I do hope we get more of that. But Finn just didn't get as much as I would have wanted. It kind of feels like he's a little sidelined, in fact. But I really think the two people who have the story arcs are Kylo Ren and uh, Ray as they learn more about the truth of who they are, the kernel of truth at the heart of themselves, as opposed to for Ray, this mystery box and for Kylo, this, or for Ben, this, you know, weight that's laid upon him of destiny or whatever. See, for me, I kind of felt like Kylo got cheated a bit because this whole trilogy has been about trying to get him away from the dark side. You have Han approaching him, you have Leia reaching out to him. You have Ray literally physically being there and trying to get him to come to the other side. And in this, you know, he does one good thing and then dies. And you could argue that, you know, maybe he's not a character who deserves to be redeemed because of all the people he's killed and, you know, going crazy on Luke, even though Luke did kind of deserve it based on everything we know from The Last Jedi, but then he just killed everyone else in sight, all the kids that were training. And it's hard for a character like that because do you want to give them a second chance? 
part of you is kind of like, no, would you give Vader a second chance? Probably not. <laughs> even though he... Right, but the third movie asks us to. Yeah, even though he did have some good left in him, it's like, okay, can all of the good that you're going to do once outweigh all of the bad you did previously? So for me, it was kind of this struggle like, okay, I would have loved to see him have more of a chance to do something good, not just this one thing and boom, he's gone. Yes. I think I didn't care for the end. I think it w could have been more powerful if you had maybe explored the difficulties of coming back from that kind of place and learning, you know, and, and becoming part of the light. And what does that look like in their society? And how do you atone for these great evils that you've done? And I I do like the fact that it's Leia that brings him back. And I feel like the reason he comes back is because he knows she's, she's gone. She's dead. And he can never, he can never go home. I think throughout this whole trilogy, he has had it in the back of his mind that like, well, I could go home. I could go home. Like that's not permanent. I'm just doing my thing for now. But like, if I want to change my mind, I can go home to my mom and she'll accept me. And now Leia is gone and he realizes he has to, either fully commit himself or make a change. And I think that was handled interestingly, maybe mm -hmm. not well, but it was interesting. <laughs> and, but I think it really kind of feels like it feels cheap at the end that we don't have to then explore because we spend so much time exploring this, the difficulties of this person, accepting the dark side and trying to find themselves in, in evil and all of this. But then once he chooses the good, like, all right, we're done with you. It's like, well, we could have gone into what it looks like to better yourself but mm -hmm. now that's off the table that would have certainly been more interesting another character moment i really want to get your thoughts on was when leia reached out to kylo and then ray just straight up stabs him and oh literally kills him not literally but basically kills him and then realizes what leia had done and then immediately you know, takes a step back and fixes things. But that was a moment that I found one went by way too fast because you have Leia's death, Ray literally ready to kill Kylo. And then it's just all done. It's all over and you don't get to process it really. And you're expected to just forgive Ray. Yeah. I don't know how you would have done it better, but I agree. It does happen very fast. And I think to be to be clear in my mind, from my perspective, she's giving up her own life force to save him. And I think that's an interesting choice. And I think it plays into the, the, when he dies to save her life. I think there's very much a give and take there that that's a good story, like through line for the movie, but the sacrifice of Leia, because obviously she's spending everything she has to try to bring him back from the dark side. And that, it all, it, it's over within two minutes, maybe, of the film. Yeah. And it doesn't feel quite iconic enough for me because the loss of Leia should be as um, impactful as it is when we lose Luke and when we lose Han, especially Han. Jeez, uh -huh. that's a harsh scene. With Luke, at least, he's making a full choice. With Han, it's just, 
and I'm betrayed. You know, it's Leia. She's giving this sacrifice. I think we should get more of her thoughts and her perspective on it. And I would guess that at least some of that is due to the fact that we lost Carrie Fisher early. So yeah. And I would rather have them do it this way than add weird, creepy CGI Carrie Fisher scenes, to be clear, because those are bad. Yeah. I don't like those. I just felt like it was one of those things where it was like, oh, yeah, Ray definitely tried to kill him, but we're not going to talk about it at all the rest of the movie. And you're just expected yep, ever again to believe she is still, you know, pure good in her. And it's hard because you're like, okay, you had her struggling with the dark side the entire, what, like first two thirds of the movie. And then, oh, here's Palpatine. Got to fix that. You know, if she's good again, we're good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, that Palpatine, that, okay, that final end, the big scene at the end of, uh, with Palpatine, where it's revealed that she's a Palpatine and all that stuff, it just feels very half-assed. Like, a lot of this movie feels half-assed and, like, a callback to, like, oh, people will like it if we just bring back the old stuff. And not an exploration of the new possibilities and the difficulties. Because you could just cut that part out of the movie, for the most part, and it wouldn't affect anything. You could just have it that Ray made it there and she's willing to sacrifice herself. It does not become an integral part of the film. And that is very frustrating. Because if that's what you're going to do, if you're going to have Ray be a Palpatine, you need to set that up so much better in order for it to feel earned. And have it be, like, the big final scene of your new trilogy. Plus the Palpatine was just... Like, all of that stuff is so unsatisfying. I will give them credit for bringing back Ian McDermott and him just going all out on the performance, though. Oh, he's great. He is great. I'm glad that he's able to give us that performance. Because I agree. Like, it doesn't... The Palpatine, Palpatine himself is well done. I didn't like quite as much CGI, but I do love the fact that there's like a big giant robot arm moving him around. Yeah. <laughs> like something got a ghost in the shell, <laughs> but that I loved. And I will give them credit for making the scenes look like they were straight out of a horror movie, especially at the beginning when Kylo arrives. And then again, later on, it was just, you know, these flashes of his face. And, you know, I probably butchered the actor's last name and I apologize. I'm really bad with names, but he definitely put on the Palpatine performance of a lifetime <laughs> there. You could tell he was just like yeah, you want me to do this? I'm going to do it. And yes. he definitely did. But it was more so the story that I didn't like. It wasn't even necessarily that Palpatine was still alive, which I would have liked to explain, though. You know, it's just like, uh, okay, are we sure he's alive? Because I don't think he should be. And there's a lot of stuff they just wave <laughs> right. off. He doesn't look alive. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of hand waving in this movie. A lot of like, yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's, it's fine. Like down to the point where right before she has that Kylo fight scene, the door just opens for her when she's going and looking for the, tr the pyramid thing. Oh, oh well, yeah. The way doors. Yeah. The door is just going to open for her. She doesn't do anything. And then it closes and that doesn't have any effect on anything, but it's like, well, why'd you have a door there? <laughs> yeah. We didn't, we don't need the door if there's no, effort to get through it. Like a door is a problem that a hero has to overcome, not just a, yeah, it just felt like a lot of those things weren't well thought out. And that was frustrating. 
My best guess for that is that because she was a Palpatine, it opened for her. Oh, okay. okay. That was my best guess because it was, you know, the Death Star. And right. Okay. It did still feel like hand waving. It's just once we got the whole Palpatine thing, I was like, oh. So that's why things just open for her and she can do whatever she wants pretty much. And then you have right. that moment where she's trying to get Chewie back from that transport. And apparently there was a second one that nobody saw and that no, one yeah, had no. Chewie on it. And it felt <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, that was another moment where they were like, oh, yeah, Ray just did this thing and it probably killed Chewie, but that's fine, you know. We're upset about it, like, but we're not going to talk about the, the fact. Lightning. Yeah, we're not going to talk about the fact that she shouldn't have been battling over a transport vehicle with Kylo in the first place. Because who thinks that's going to end in a good situation? <laughs> and that's not their point for being there. We have other things going on. Yeah, it just and the chewy, the chewy death. Like, there's too many fake deaths in this. I really, it's like you get, you get one is what my partner said when we left the theater. It's like, you get one, not two, one. And like the Ray death scene is far more powerful. Right. If that's how you're going to end the movie anyway. Uh, but like, yeah, the Chewie death scene, it's just like, oh, just kidding. Chewie's still alive. And when he died, I was like, mm, I don't believe this. Yeah. I, don't believe he's dead. I was like, I don't think they're actually An original do series that. character. Yeah, an original series character who is much beloved. Like, you don't just have him blow up on a transport ship. That's too cheap and too silly. Plus, we didn't get to see him with Lando yet. So you kind of right. knew, like, nah, that's not the end of Chewie. You know, we got to have one more Millennium Falcon scene with him. And then you have to get his reaction to Leia's death. Like, he had the reaction to Han's death because... You have to. It's Chewie, and Chewie is going to outlive everyone. So, you know, it's just like, okay, that was kind of boring and pointless. It's like you're going to let Ray believe that she killed Chewie for, what, like five minutes? And then she senses him on Kylo's ship, and you're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It just was poor. It was a poorly done twist. Could have just been Chewie disappeared. Yeah. Didn't need to be like, oh, Chewie's, we got to go. We got to go. Chew I don't know where Chewie is. We got to leave. Like, you didn't need to have that death because they also don't give an appropriate, like, there's no grief for Chewie. No. And if we're going to kill off this character who is so integral to the series, you have to have that grief moment. And so it feels like it's just so cheap and it's very, it was very, very frustrating to watch on that part of it. Yeah, a few more specific things I want to ask you about. Did you feel like the Jedi texts were kind of just thrown by the wayside in this? Because in The Last Jedi, they make a point of telling us about them. And, you know, in the roundtable, I credited Drew Deitch for bringing this up on Twitter because they basically offered a blank slate. So did you feel like those just were misused completely and could have launched something totally different and new weren't the jedi texts destroyed in the last jedi i thought that was what luke burned <laughs> and then like yoda comes back and then yoda's like no we don't need these and then burns them up i could have I, but i didn't watch it and i feel like i need to so <laughs> on the premise on the premise that they still existed because that's the premise this movie takes i i do think that i think because Ray 
whips them out and she's like oh i know where to find the wi-fi right (laughs) it's in this book yeah yeah but we don't get any other information about the sith or help or anything like that like they just feel like here's a convenient story thing and that you're like oh okay okay guess i mean which i wouldn't have wanted this movie to be any longer but it definitely feels like a cheap shortcut to now we're moving the story forward and that's what it feels like those are and it feels like the jedi texts should be more important and more uh like feel more official than just as a map to the wayfinder how did you feel about them sidelining rose even more so than they did with finn i hated it i hated it so much I was, uh, especially that she just like, oh no, I've got to stay and do stuff. Hey, you guys go have fun without me. Like they literally did that. And yeah. you, you could have included her on these missions. And, and when she does go on a mission, Finn's just like, no, leave without me. And then she listens yep. and you're like, uh, no. And then the, you know, this new lady, Jana gets to go on all the fun adventure stuff with Finn. And you're like, okay. I see why that character is included. You know, I'm not saying they shouldn't have included that character at all, but you get this sense that they kind of just replaced Rose with a new character. Yes. Just because that character could happen to get them across to the Death Star. Why not both? Why not both women? Yeah. That's what I felt. I was like, but Rose could have been there. And like, she's an engineer. She would have been useful Mm -hmm. on this trip. Yeah. And it, it feels like they just kind of were like, well, we have to include her, but fan, and this is what I meant by talking about fan service. Like it feels like, well, certain subsection of fans didn't like her. So let's just, we'll keep her in there, but we'll really sideline her because we don't want to upset certain groups of people. And that's totally unacceptable because she's such a great character and that they set her up so well in the last Jedi only to be almost, I read a thing online that her sister in The Last Jedi has more, who dies in, in like the first 10 minutes of the movie, has more screen time than Rose does in this. And not that screen time minutes are the end all be all of anything, but in this it feels important because of the controversies that were all, that were raging about The Last Jedi when it came out. Yeah, well... What else do you want to bring up about the rise of Skywalker? Because I feel like I'm just going to get repetitive if I keep talking. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, let's talk about a couple of good things. For all those folks who've made it this far, the good stuff, the stuff I liked about it. And I wanted to talk about how fantastic Oscar Isaac is in this movie. He does not get nearly enough. He's a great actor who can take things really far and they certainly did not let it go as far as I wanted like with how boisterous he is and how funny he can be and how like invested in the Poe Finn relationship he is and in particular his relationship with um Carrie Russell's character who Zori for me I can't yes Zori there could have been so much more with that and I don't think we get enough but what he's what he gives us is pure gold like Oscar Isaac is a fantastic actor. And I think the acting in general is really good in this movie. I think in particular, Adam Driver. I think Daisy Ridley does a fine job. John Boyega, all the main ones do 
a great, they give great performances and I, I was so pleased and it felt like it was born out like the choice of acting in this in throughout this trilogy felt good. And I think they proved it with this last film, how good they were and how well chosen they were for their roles. Um, and the, the new Chewy is perfect. Just if anyone should get, you know, accolades for taking over a role that, you know, Peter Mayhew was fantastic. I've met the dude. He's super nice and super awesome. Yeah. And I think that dude really perfectly captured something that was a difficult role. It's difficult to have that kind of emotion when you're buried in a fursuit. Um, let's see. What else did I like about it? I think this movie <laughs> did a nice job of giving the new trio more screen time together. You know, Finn and Poe are not letting Ray do things on her own. And I love that because it's not because they're trying to be like, you're a woman. We need to go with you. They're like, no, we're a team. We're doing this together. Right. And I love we're the friends. camaraderie that came across in this movie because, you know, she spends a lot of time with Luke in The Last Jedi. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing by any means. It's no different than Luke spending a lot of time with Yoda when he was training. But you have these characters who work so well together so to have them on screen a little more, and I don't know exact numbers on it, but it felt like it was more <laughs> in this movie, was just refreshing. And this movie was one that had some good highs, but then the lows, you're just kind of like, ew, that's what they did. <laughs> and so yes. it kind of yes. leaves you feeling in the middle of the road on it. And I'm sure there are people who absolutely love it and people who absolutely hate it, and that's fine too. But I think where you and I stand as far as Star Wars fandom goes. And, you know, maybe I've read more of the books and comics than you have and watch more of the TV shows, but I wouldn't say I'm a Star Wars expert by any means. So for me, <laughs> no, it's kind of like, me neither. oh, wait, what planet is this? Oh, okay. This one, the, the one with the two suns. Okay. <laughs> you know, I'm right. still really bad at knowing like all these little details that Star Wars fanatics know, but I just really want to enjoy this. And I felt like this wasn't quite as enjoyable as I was hoping for because they did this one thing that I was like, ugh, okay, fine. <laughs> you do that. <laughs> yeah, I will say I felt very uh, smart, <laughs> quote unquote, Star Wars smart, when they were talking about um, Poe being a spice runner. Yeah. I was like, I know what that is. Yes, <laughs> I know what that is. Because I've read the Han Solo trilogy that came out in like the early 90s. Okay. And those are the, I think the only books I've read, but they talk a lot about the spi about the spice trade in those. Yeah, I think just the choice to I think it's just such a mixed bag. And mm -hmm. like we've talked about, I think they embraced all of the easy choices on this and that's just unfortunate. It's I think the thing I liked about the last Jedi that I know a lot of other people didn't like is that they wanted to push the series in a new direction and explore new ideas and develop these, this world into something that's a little more black, a little more gray that rather than so black and white. And I think this is much more of a step back into a, a more star Wars tradition, mm -hmm. which is going to hit everyone differently. And for me, I think they really could have gone more and I'm hoping to see more things like the Mandalorian. And I know, uh, Ryan Johnson is 
hopefully going to get his own Star Wars trilogy, which I would totally be down for. And I think there's a lot of opportunity with Star Wars and I'm excited to see where we can go now that we've hopefully put the Skywalkers to rest. Right. Because the really interesting stories in this universe are the ones that just kind of skate by like the big moments in power, like the Mandalorian, Mm -hmm. you know, the Mandalorian isn't, you know, saving the world, but he's doing something that's going to affect things. And it's a small story in a big galaxy. Right. And those are the things that can really catch me because, you know, I'm obviously, I'm just a regular person and stories about regular people participating in big events are the stuff of every novel and fantasy story. Yeah. I think that coming out of this movie, they should definitely take a break on the trilogies for at least a while. Like I would be fine if we don't get any more trilogies. And I'm not saying that Ryan Johnson shouldn't get another shot at star Wars movies, but you could have him do movies that don't necessarily need to be a trilogy too. And personally, I think taking some of the things they did with the rise of Skywalker and maybe expanding on them would be fun. Like I would love to see a show with Poe as a spice runner and give us his backstory because this was the first time we even got any inkling of what his backstory was other than him being a good pilot. Right. Or what I am sincerely hoping they do that I think was the most set up in this movie for this is the direction we're going is Jana when she's talking to uh, Lando. When Jana is talking to Lando at the oh, end. Oh, yes. And- at the very end. Yeah, when he asks her, where, who are you, where are you from? And she says, I don't know. And he says, well, let's find out. Then, like, there's a super long hold and, like, slow zoom on her face. And I was like, that's a story I'm interested in. I want to know who this lady is and where she goes from here. I feel like she's just going to end up being Lando's daughter or something he didn't know about, though. <laughs> no, I don't want that. I really don't want that. That was my first impression after seeing that That was also scene. mine. I was like, oh. That was also mine. Because they've proven that you have to be somebody in this basically (laughs) we also know that lando is really into droids so who knows how into humans he is (laughs) is all i'm saying so i would be interested to see just something different and yeah i agree i think that the biggest weakness in this movie is that it pulls back from anyone can be a hero that i think is the defining weak point in this film I think as long as they don't make Janna either Lando's daughter or Finn's long-lost sister, we'll be good. No. Yeah, exactly. I agree. And, you know, I hope they continue to do stuff like they have with The Mandalorian on Disney+, Plus, where, you know, we get to see big-budget shows that give us a totally different perspective on the galaxy. Because I would be great if the next, if they decided to do another solo movie, which they totally will not because that went twice over its budget didn't make any money if they did his experience as a spice runner working on the working for the huts which is how he got his his debt to uh the huts in general you know that would be interesting and not rehashing old stories and old ideas let's see something new yeah i would love to see ahsoka in a live action movie personally just because i think that's a character a lot of people fell in love with when they watched the clone wars and i don't know if people have necessarily read the ahsoka book by ek johnston but it's very good and it kind of fills in that gap between her leaving in the clone wars and her return in rebels which is another show it did have some ups and downs but i think it ended really strong and 
in this, I heard people saying that, oh, since we heard Ahsoka's voice when all the Jedi are talking to Rey, that means she's dead. And I was like, oh, man, that is something if that's how they choose to kill her off, <laughs> you know, or let yeah. us know that she's dead. And someone else also pointed out that you didn't hear Ezra Bridger's voice. And that's a sign, too, because they heard Kanan's voice and he is another Jedi who people who have watched Rebels would be familiar with. But there's so many things in this that I feel like you could pull out and be like, give us more explanation, <laughs> you know, especially with how Palpatine is still alive. And I'm not saying I want that as another movie or something, but maybe if it's explained somewhere along the way in a TV show or something for like an episode, that would kind of be great. <laughs> Right. The next Star Wars show on Disney Plus is supposed to be um, Ben Kenobi, which will get Ewan McGregor, which is a total steal. Mm -hmm. And so I'm interested to see how they're going to make, a, you know, <laughs> a guy in a desert, a hermit in a desert. Interesting. But they made the Mandalorian good. So, hey, sounds fun to me. But I think there's so much opportunity. And I think the worst thing Disney can do is, and Lucasfilm and all of them can do is fall into nostalgia. Right. And I think we'll see what happens. And there's, there's all that history with the Jedi legends. It's not like you have to cut all of that out. Just pick and choose from it. Like the Marvel films do. Yeah. You know, take, take the interesting stories and the interesting characters and tell them in your own way. So I guess there's lots to look forward to with Star Wars. Mm -hmm. This isn't, this is obviously not the end because no. <laughs> that cash, that cash cow needs milking. <laughs> yeah. And it's okay we don't, to but... make mistakes too. You know, the MCU had plenty of mistakes, Thor one and Thor two, namely. And yeah. it took them... I was going to say Thor, the dark world, anyone? Yeah. It took them a third Thor movie to get that character right. And I think Star Wars is going to have some missteps. You know, not everyone loves Solo either. And because that was a standalone film, I think it was a little easier for fans to swallow. But with this, it seems like their mistake was not having one director for the entire trilogy. Yeah, I agree. And the original trilogy doesn't have the same director or group of writers or whatever. But that doesn't mean we didn't need to do it now. <laughs> Like, and I would bet that J.J. Abrams would have directed the second one, but he probably had something going on. But Or even just have Ryan Johnson do the third one to follow up The Last Jedi. Yeah. They needed more continuity between everything. Yeah. Whether it was just not having someone in between the two J.J. Abrams movies or, you know, just having J.J. kick it off and someone else finish it. You know, it's one of those things where we won't know what could have been because this is what we got. And I know someone else, Colin Trev Trevorrow, Trevorrow, whatever. Colin Trevorrow. There we go. Yeah. That's the last name. I'm really bad with names. And, <laughs> you know, he was on this previously and then JJ took over if I'm not mistaken. So then it's like, okay, do we want to know what his movie would have looked like or not? <laughs> and you have these yeah. moments where you're like, eh, maybe not. I don't know. This is what we got. So we have to deal with it. Ultimately, I gave this a three out of five. I don't know how it'll age on a second viewing because I did not go do that <laughs> before either of these episodes, but there will still be plenty of things to enjoy and you don't have to feel the need to 
read the books or the comics to understand really what happens in these movies. For the most part, I think they are self-contained and everything else is just extra for you to dive into. Yeah, I feel the same. And I think I would give this movie a probably a two and a half out of five. I, I'm real torn between 2.5 and 3, honestly. Yeah. You know. I felt like 3 was generous when I got out of the theater, but I was like, I really liked it when they were all together. <laughs> yes, I did too. That final hug scene, though, oh, perfection. That's That was one of the best points in the movie where all three of them are tightly hugging each other. I was yeah. like, this, this is perfect. And when Chewie finds out that Leia has died, it just crushes you completely. Oh, and yes. you're like, oh, this is why they couldn't kill Chewie. <laughs> Yep. These are real. Yeah. When the movie finds those real moments of emotion at the heart of the story, which for, you know, Poe and Ray and Finn is their friendship and deep bond. And for Chewie, it's his connection with other people like, oh, those those were so great. And that's what gave this movie like, all right, I still like it. I don't care. I still really like it. Yeah. Even though I had my problems with it, I still think it's it's still worth watching and it's still worth seeing in theater because the visuals are pretty gorgeous. The fights were really good. I will give them credit for that, too. I really liked a lot of the fights in this. Oh, yes. And when they're going into uh, the cloud to go to the Sith planet, like, mm. oh, all of that was beautifully done. So I think it's worth watching in theater, and it's, especially if you like Star Wars, it's worth seeing just to give yourself thoughts about, like, hmm, this is how we're ending this. This is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> These were some choices. <laughs> Yep, they were choices, and you'll have thoughts about them, or you won't, and that's fine. Either way. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we go, I quickly want to let you all know that you can support the podcast on Patreon. You can also follow us at Geekdom Pod on Twitter, at Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram and Facebook. Katie, thank you again. I'm glad we got to discuss this for a little bit. Me too. Thanks, everybody, for listening to my rambling thoughts. <laughs> and as always, thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.